Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Hold on one sec. Okay, continue. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks for being here. Thanks for checking out the episode. Thanks for checking out the series. Uh, hit the subscribe button. That way you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out every single week. New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three a week to keep you up to date on your favorite artists. Discover the new ones and know what's happening in the music world. And all the usual spots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions. Or again, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Uh, I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, hanging out with Susanna Hoffs. We're going to be talking about her new covers album, Bright Lights. Uh, she's going to talk about the importance of cover songs in her career, singing the songs of artists who tragically died, including Nick Drake, Chris Bell, and Prince, who she covers on this record, but famously also covered. Uh, of course, uh, Prince gave the Bengals Manic Monday. We'll hear about that as well. Uh, and the Bengals star tells us about her history of singing with Amy Mann, who duets on a cover of Badfinger's Name of the Game, uh, dishes on her love of the Velvet Underground and singing the Sex Pistols for one of their last shows, and finding Patti Smith's music in the 70s. Uh, Susanna's also going to discuss her wanting the Austin Powers band Ming-T to reunite for next year's 25th anniversary. Uh, she was in that band with uh, Matthew Sweet and, of course, Mike Myers, Stuart Johnson, uh, as well as uh, we'll head back to 1991 to talk about her debut solo record that came out 30 years ago this year, where she covered David Bowie and worked with Juliana Hatfield. That's all in here and plenty of talk about her new album, Bright Lights. It's Kyle Meredith with Susanna Hoffs. Hi. First off, congratulations! It's a uh, it's nice to have uh, nice to have you back with new music again. Thank you. It's nice to be back. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what we've got here is um, a set uh, of some amazing covers, most of them pre 80 stuff right here. And um, I don't know, I, you know, I was I was thinking about the, the whole covers angle too. Um, I'm always a little bit cautious that I'm going to if I learn enough of my favorite songs, it's going to take the magic away from it a little bit. Ah. Like getting in there. Actors always talk about that with movies too. Like they, you know, once, once they've done so many films, they can kind of, they watch a movie differently. As a songwriter yourself, is, is that, is that ever there? Like when you hear these songs, you're going, oh, I don't know. Did, does it feel different at all? Um, well, it's, I was just talking to someone else about, about this similar subject. And I was reflecting back on the fact that, you know, I don't, it's probably true for most musicians that the way that they became musicians was because a result of their passion for music. So whether it was like me hearing the Beatles when my mom would bring home the, the, the actual vinyls back in the 60s because her friend worked at Capitol Records and, you know, it was the soundtrack to my childhood um, along with other music that I heard in the car on the radio, like my exposure to music really was informed my whole journey as a musician myself. So it is instinctive for me because I learned singing along to the radio or records in my room that I would listen to and to the annoyance of my family over and over again. Joni Mitchell records that are so beautiful and I love so much, but I would sing along and copy every single riff that she was doing is like a roadmap that I that I studied. And so I think, so for me, covering is instinctive. I've done it my whole life. I wouldn't be a musician if I hadn't been sort of covering along, you know, in my own way by singing along with records. Well, yeah. it is such a cool set of music. And, and I have to imagine, I mean, you, you named the Beatles, they're not on here, uh, but um, I imagine that a lot of these might be your coming of age bands, were they, were, was that sort of the case? Yeah, I think these were songs weirdly that I did hadn't sung along to. That was what I, in reflecting back on, you know, I mean, Paul Bryan and I, who I met through Amy Mann, um, who ended up singing, I'm so grateful to her, she sang on Name of the Game, this rather obscure Badfinger song. But um, we were we would just had this idea, like, let's record something. You have a home studio. And I would he would say, what do you want to do? What do you want to sing? I was like, I don't know. And I would kind of think about songs that I loved. But I it it wasn't until later that I realized they weren't ones that I like studied the roadmap up, like the old, uh, uh, the old Joni songs or the Linda Ronstadt songs or the Beatles songs that I sang along to as a kid. They were ones that I always loved listening to. So he would say, OK, I've got I've got musicians on, you know, they were all musicians I I knew. They're going to come over. They're going to come around to the house. Let's do a few. And I I realized when I would step up to the mic, I was like, I've never actually, this wasn't one I sang in my room over and over again. This feels very new. So I kind of use the analogy with covers. It's sort of like, will the dress fit? Can I do it justice? I mean, when when Prince gave me Manic Monday and I drove to the studio and had the actual cassette and I took the cassette back to the studio, all the bangles, we all ho hovered around and David Connor, producer to listen to it. I was like, I remember the first time I sang that, I was like, oh, it feels good. So it was like, that was kind of the thing with this set of songs on Bright Lights. And I, I ended up calling the album Bright Lights partly because there's a Richard and Linda Thompson song, Bright, you know, with that, those words in the title. 
but songs have always been bright lights for me. Like they're like my friends on a dark day. You know, they're, they're like the light. You know, they're like the light at the end of the tunnel or the light, the sun, the sunshine. I mean, they're, I don't know, you're a music fan. I'm sure you relate to this on some level. I mean, absolutely. I, I completely get what you're saying, but it, it is interesting, especially like I, uh, you know, I, I was talking about coming of age artists and, you know, yeah. I, I talk with some artists about that. I, I think a lot, I mean, hell, I'm surrounded by all of that right now. You know, I've got yeah. REM over my shoulder there and, you know, oh, yeah. and Bowie and everything. And, and it, there's just something about those songs, even, I don't know, even because those were the ones that, like, I, I relate to your thing about the Beatles. And, and I had that moment, even in my childhood, but there were those moments where you hit a certain age and they just mean yeah. even more, you know? Exactly. And that, and you're right. You've tapped into it. These were all songs that I didn't know as a young child, maybe the monkeys, but the monkeys song, um, you just may be the one. No, wait, is it? Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I have so much swirling around. I've done so many covers with Matthew Sweet. I said they all start to run together. But um, but yeah, like I think that it was during my period where I was collaborating with David Roback, who was in um, Rain, um, The Rain Parade and Mazzy Star. It was more these were songs that I sort of heard after the fact, like they were there were songs like during my university period the college student you know i i went to uc berkeley so berkeley was just like an amazing place to go to college in the in the 70s honestly it was like scouring record stores and it was pre-internet and it was just like these treasures that you'd come home with and so that's when i and it was in the and and then after that it was really in the 80s when the bangles were starting to happen and were part of the paisley underground that i that i came to know nick drake for example you know or even big star David was the one who turned me on to Sid Barrett and and Nick Drake and Big Star. Yeah, and and those two. So, so you take on Nick Drake, which you know, I mean, there's such a frailty to that song right there, and Chris Bell too, with that yes. with you and your sister. I mean, but of course, you've got this thing. I think you mentioned in the press release that it hadn't occurred to you that all these artists you were veering towards had sort of a tragic life, in a yes. way. Like a large percentage of them, there were you know either passed away very young or had, you know, struggled um, with various things um, in their lives. And yeah, I mean, it, uh, I know Pete Ham, who, you know, took his own life at the age of 27. I mean, he had such a hard time dealing with, you know, the music business and, you know, he was a sensitive soul. And I mean, it's such a, such a tragic story. Um, but yeah, I, start, I started to realize that there was a little bit of a through line there, but it made it even more sort of like touching to me, to, for me also to take these, these delicate little treasures and, you know, try to make something beautiful up with my own version, you know? And that's what I'm, that's what I was getting at too, like with Nick Drake, with, with, with Chris Bell, because those songs do feel so much like a treasure and, and and again i'll use the word frail too like do you have to how do you approach those do you, do you approach them differently than you would you know something a bit more sturdy you know yeah i think so i remember because of the way that it was so casual the way that we pieced together the record it would be like the musicians are coming over and they're like all friends of mine it's like 
come on, you know, we'll, we'll all meet up at 11 a.m. on such and such a date. And I'd show up and I would sing along often for the first time I'd ever really sung the song while we were just all playing together. I'd be isolated. So my vocals, you know, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be singing over loud drums and, and stuff. But then when it came time to go and sort of go in and, and sing it down a few more times, I, I really took a few hours to kind of reflect on, on the story behind the song and, and really sort of like, I don't know, it's, I've never really talked about this before. It gets me a little bit emotional, but like, especially in the, the, these songs that you've just mentioned, but like, I really thought how tender and raw you know, the Chris Bell song is how's how and how beautiful and how beautiful his, you know, to try to do something that was even remotely in league with what he had done and to honor it and to honor what he felt and to sort of like do it justice like that was it weighed a bit heavy on me. I remember that day in particular, um, I just was, you know, sat alone in Paul's Paul Bryan's living room and I just kept just thinking about it. I just put myself in in his world. And I tried to do that with every single one of the songs, to be honest. You know, I wanna see the bright lights tonight. That was like a whole different mood. That was like a sassy, you know, I wanna go out and have a good time. And damn it, I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> like I, each one like tells a story, you know, there really is a narrative through line in all of these songs. So for me, you know, it was like finding my own story for it. It is um, one more thing about that, you and your sister. That That's one of those songs that gives me hope that there are millions of songs in the world, billions of songs in the world. Uh, and, and there's no reason when you consider his story that that song should have ever made it out into the, really the world where we could all hear it, but it did. Like in the, in the great songs, seem to find a way, I guess. Yes. Actually, the person who, you know, I reached out to friends when I was, when I started this process of like, go over to Paul's and do us two songs at a time. And then we d wouldn't meet up for three or four months. And it was actually, um, my husband directed the Austin Powers mo movie. So we had had a chance to see, to, to have dinner when Mike and his wife Kelly were in town. And Kelly is an incre incredible music aficionado. So shout out to Kelly for saying, have you considered the Chris Bell song, a Chris Bell song? And I think she specifically called out that one. Uh, I, I was gonna ask it later, but you brought it up. So I'm just gonna quickly make a point here. Uh, Austin Powers, 25 years, I think, is the is next year, the anniversary of that. Uh, of course, you were in Ming-T uh, yes. with, with Matthew Sweet, huge yep. fan of. And um, I noticed that like a month ago, there was a YouTube page launched for Ming-T for the first time. And I thought, oh, mm, anniversary on the way. Could there be a reunion at some oh, point? I hope so. I've been wanting, I've been longing for one for all these years. Um, <laughs> That was one of the most fun projects that I've ever done. Um, we had so much fun. I mean, people don't realize Mike's like a triple threat, you know, like he, we used to just go and hang out in his garage and he would jump on the drums or he'd pick up a guitar or he'd play bass. But, you know, Matthew and I would go over there and we would just work on the songs and write them and, you know, it was so fun doing the Austin stuff. I love the 60s as an era. And um, 
it, it really informed my whole journey as a musician because that's the music I listened to and started playing in the 60s. Um, I mean, that's when I started playing. So, you know, it's always fashion, the whole zeitgeist of it, the fashion, the music. And I so loved being part of Austin, the Austin Powers trilogy. Uh, we should do a special shout out, by the way, to Stuart Johnson on the drums, uh, or yes. Stuart, because uh, Stuart uh, was also in Love Jones, a Louisville, Kentucky band before uh, that. So that was uh, my tie anyway. There? Is he from your area? Yep. Yeah. Hey. Stuart's from over here. So uh, yeah, he did Love right. Jones and then he hopped out and did, uh, did Ming T and the New Radicals after that. So yeah. That's right. So. Oh my God. With Greg Alexander? Was that? Oh, yep. wow. I... <laughs> Because Greg is a friend with Bill, of Billy Steinberg, who I co-wrote um, Eternal Flame with. Okay. And Tom Kelly. The three of us wrote it. But that's how I know Greg. Yeah. So, so you see, it's all... World. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, the, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I wrote down breadcrumbs here too because it, it's also interesting seeing a few of the breadcrumbs that led into this record in other ways. Uh, it's obviously not the first time you and Amy Mann, you, you had mentioned you did uh, Name of the Game uh, on here, but you all had done uh, Big Stars uh, Give Me Another Chance with Van Dyke Parks before. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. No, I've I've actually toured with Amy. She does. She not. She didn't. Doesn't do it every year, but she frequently does a holiday uh, show, kind of a variety show. And so I've sung with Amy many times. I just had never, as far as I can remember, and I'm pretty sure, her singing on Name of the Game was the first time we've actually recorded together. But I've known Amy since my the eighties since her till Tuesday days. I have photos of her um, backstage John Taylor is there and Amy and me, Jewel Shear. There was a whole group of us. And um, I've always admired her so much. Her voice is so iconic. You, you know, you hear one note of her singing and you know, it's Amy and her songwriting. I mean, she's, she's just a gift to, to the world of music. I mean, she's so, it's such a brilliant songwriter. And so uh, it was really interesting because Paul, um, to me, that Paul, she actually, it was because of Amy that I knew Paul, but also when we were doing Bright Lights, um, it came up about like, when we were doing um, Name of the Game, he's like, it would be kind of cool if Amy sang on this. And he, he took the thought right out of my head. And so when he called Amy, he's like, I'll check in with her. I have, I'm due to call her anyway. And he, 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 before he said the name of the song, she said name of the game. Like she guessed it. Wow. Of all the, really, of all the songs. Of all of the songs. And that was like chills, you know, like, and uh, that feeling. But then like hearing her voice on the record, like that gives me chills. Like, mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. I'm so grateful. I'd love to record more with her, to be honest. I mean, I, 
you know, I know I've sung with her live and I knew then that we, we sounded good together, but now it's con really confirmed with this single. Yeah. yeah. Her new album, by the way, is, yeah, I mean, I don't really? have to say it. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. She's, like I said, one of the great songwriters, singer-songwriters. I want to quickly hit on the Velvet Underground, too, because you do Femme Fatale on here. And uh, and again, that's not, you've done I'll Be Your Mirror, I think, in the past. Yeah, and I'll keep it with mine, which was the John Cale Nico Chelsea Girl record. I just started watching the Velvet Underground documentary. It's really cool. Uh, I haven't started it yet. I mean, everybody says, go watch it, you know? And yeah. I mean, everything's out there. There's a tribute album and everything. I mean, it's a nice time, but but just knowing that, you know, sort of your history in that type of music and that scene, like what, what is it about the Velvets that, uh, that keeps pulling you back? Well, there's a few people I've encountered in my journey, you know, like along the way of growing up where all the things kind of came together and made sense. Because when I was a kid, I studied ballet really seriously. I did, I did theater. I was an art major in college at UC Berkeley. I went, you know, I went to see the Patti Smith group at Winterland Ballroom in, in San Francisco. I went to see, I was at the last Sex Pistols show, the final show there. Wow. So while I was a college student and um, I think that the Velvet Underground and we actually do the big, uh, my version of um, Femme Fatale is actually the big star take on it. I don't know if that was clear when you heard it, but I think that that band, along with Patti Smith, it was during that for, that form, what's the word, um, formative moment in my life where it was all coming together what I wanted to do with my life because I knew I loved music. I knew I loved theater and art and dance and painting and sculpture, but somehow sing Patti Smith and somehow going really deep with the Velvet Underground in the 70s, in the late 70s when I was a college student, living with David Roback, who became my boyfriend at the time. We grew up together. We knew each other as kids, but or middle schoolers. But um, it, 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 the Velvet Underground sort of were a real touchstone because they, were they weren't just a band. They weren't, you know, necessarily a band you would hear on Top 40 radio. They weren't pop stars, they were an art project. And I loved the music so much. I loved those songs. I loved the dissonance. I loved the chaos. I loved the visual. I loved that it was a little bit of everything. I loved that the the, the Warhol scene was, was a happening. I, it wasn't, you couldn't just put it in a box and say, oh, this'll be on a top 40 channel. This is, it, it was its own revolution, you know, in a way. So it was kind of a revolution of the mind for me, but it all made sense. And so to this day, the Velvet Underground are really a seminal band for me. I don't know. They just, there's, I don't know. I just like that they pushed the envelope in, in the way that I was seeing things. The music that you liked, and the music that you became famous for and the perception, did it ever feel like this push and pull? Like even going back, like, you know, okay, so your self-titled record, I think is celebrating uh, 25 years this year. And you wrote this with, with Mark from, um, from Sparkle Horse or, or yeah. produced some of it. Yeah. And, and again, here you've got another great underground artist. We're talking about the Velvet Underground. And then you lived on the pop charts and, and there was probably, did it feel like there was this grand contradiction about maybe who you were and who they thought you were? Oh, definitely. Yeah, 
Definitely. But the funny thing about the Bengals is we were always scrappy, even, even with our pop success. We were ultimately a garage band. We were formed in a garage. Um, in fact, the night Vicky and Debbie first came over that we decided that night to be a band and we were scrappy. We were part of the Paisley underground scene. We played in clubs. Um, I just done another interview earlier where I was asked, did, did all the style, the fashion industry people come and give, when did all that start? Did you get all the things from them? And we were like, no, we thought we were thrift store shoppers from day one through to the end. Nobody came into the Bengals scene and sort of like glammed us up. We really, we really were a garage band. We were formed in a garage. We always were and always will be, but, um, you know, we ended up on the pop charts and we were, you know, some people saw us as more of a pop band, but I just, I don't know. It's hard to put labels on these things, you know? Well, it's, it's interesting, especially now in hindsight, watching how you took the things that you're talking about with you, even after the Bengals. And again, I'll bring up the other one when your boy, uh, 30 this year. And, yeah. uh, and there you've got, you know, I've got, Let's do it right this way. Bowie over my shoulder. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're doing boys keep swinging, which is just this fantastic. But even at the time, that would not have been an obvious pick. No to cover. I know. I mean, I would say that that period was interesting in in that I got to play. I mean, John and John and whistle played on the record. Um, Mick Fleetwood, I think, played on something. I can't remember now. There, everything's blurring together. But um, yeah, I mean, that felt like whoa. There was a lot of pressure. I remember feeling um, having, you know, made my exit from the Bengals, not knowing what would happen. Thinking, I mean, I knew that I was sort of burnt out after ten years, essentially, um, on the road, and it was such. Oh, it was it was an intense period of my life, but I don't know. It's hard for again back to the idea that's kind of hard to put labels on things. That definitely felt like a very record company record in a certain sense, but yet you're right. There were a lot of weird choices of songs on there. It was a, it's a quirky record. It's pop, but it's um, you know David Kahn produced such amazing music with the Bangles, you know, and he's gone on to produce like my favorite Regina, Spe I mean, Regina Spector records. I love Regina. She's a friend, but like I, some of the stuff that they did together is just exquisite. And then he works with Paul McCartney. He's, he's a really brilliant producer. So, so he never does anything that's sort of ordinary. Everything is always a little outside the box with David. And I love that about him. I mean, I remember sitting in the, his office at Columbia Records when he played me this little cassette demo of Walk Like an Egyptian. I mean, who would have thought that would have been a Bengals song? You know, but it, what, it became one of our biggest, you know, pop radio hits. And it's not a norm. It's not an, I don't know, it's not a, a like, you can't really put a label on that song. What is it? That is one of those, like it's, it sort of sits on its own somewhere else. Yeah, and that was David as a producer, you know? I mean, I, 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 I've always had a really good re relationship with all the people who have produced any records that I've been a part of. You have to. Um, it's, it's a very close relationship, mm. you know, because you're, you're making something together. Anytime you make something in collaboration with someone, it's, it's special. 
I, I, I want to ask about one more collaboration and uh, yeah. I will wrap it up from here. But on that record, on uh, When You're a Boy, you also, uh, That's Why Girls Cry, you've got Juliana Hatfield uh, co-writing and singing. I'm such a big fan. What was the story with that one? Well, David, I think that he might have signed her to Columbia or at that point it might have been called Sony. At one point it changed names. I remember liking when it was Columbia because I thought of like, even though it was it was a label of Bob Dylan and, and, and Simon and Garfunkel and, mm-hmm. you know, heroes. But um, yeah, I so David put um, us together, Juliana Hatfield and me, and I've I've semi stayed in touch with her all these years. And also she's very close with a, there's we're in kind of a, a network of friends who are musicians. She and Amy know each other. Our friend Rachel Lickman has made videos for Juliana, but um, we were both on the Lilith Fair tour at one point together. But yeah, I loved meeting her. Um, she's an incredible artist, incredible. You know, I love I, I read her a memoir. She put out a memoir. Um, she's a really, really creative and very interesting human being. And I, I really like her so much. That crossover uh, with uh, how she approaches the 70s, especially musically and, and, and how yeah. you sort of do the same thing, too. Yeah. No, I yeah. Her sensibility is incredible. She's also really funny. My friend Rachel Lickman does these has she's done a few like comedy um, little sketches that have been on Instagram that I really enjoyed to check that out too. Yeah. Uh, but back to the uh, the main focus here. Again, I can't compliment you enough on, on Bright Lights. Uh, it's it's so much fun hearing what you're doing here. And again, for it to be so many threads working inside and outside this record. I mean, it, you know, I, I don't know, you know, if fate's a real thing or not, but all of this seems very meant to be on this album. You know, it's it's great. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Thank you. No problem. And thank you for taking the time to talk about it. This has been a real Uh, pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Big old thanks to Susanna Hoffs. Again, the new album is called Bright Lights. Thanks to you again for checking out the episode. Uh, Please, please, please do hit the subscribe button again so you can keep up with all the interviews. Three brand new interviews every single week at all the places you can get your your podcast from. That does include YouTube as well for the video versions. After all that, head over to WFPK.org. Right to a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews Monday through Friday 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org Consequence they've got your music and film news you can also find me on the social media spots uh, Instagram Facebook Twitter all three of them at Kyle Meredith over on TikTok at Kyle M. Meredith that does it for another edition I'm Kyle Meredith I'll see you next time Consequence Podcast Network. Okay, bye. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.